listening to Nerds on Film with Roxy Noberry, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. So we, um, I wanted to bring everybody's attention to this. Has anyone seen Raiders, the best fan film ever made? No. 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 What is this? So, so it's this great documentary about these kids when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out decided that they were going to make a shot-for-shot remake of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the problem was is that they were filming it over weekends and I think like possibly even just summers. And so the movie shows them basically growing up from like 13 to maybe about 18. It spans like about a five-year period. Oh, my God. And obviously they couldn't do certain things based off of budget constraints. Like they couldn't get a plane or, or, you know, do a lot of things. But like they were like setting like their garages on fire. They were like (laughs) driving in their cars and like having them – like dragging them across like dirt and stuff. Um, and what's great about the documentary is it's about, it's basically telling the story of like these like three kids, I think, and just like how their friendship sort of was, uh, at its prime. And then they all had like a falling out and like the movie kind of died. And it's about them coming back together now as adults to secure funding and finish the movie by doing the large plane scene and the large explosion. And it also talks about how this movie sort of had like a cult following because before it was quote unquote finished, it was sort of like making its way around like the the uh, the underground side of like indie filmmakers. Like Eli Roth, I think, was the one who got it and like put it into the mainstream and started bringing it to people's attention because they'd be like, hey, you want to watch this? Or like he's like, dudes, like you guys need to see this fucking movie. It's fucking great. And it's just a really heart-wrenching story about these guys like trying to like accomplish their dreams like to finish this thing that they started as kids and it's like their childhood is just encompassed in this movie and it's just so beautiful so sad so uplifting i mean if if you're looking for like something that make you feel good inside in a period where we're like all feeling kind of dark like go watch raiders the best fan film ever made it's so Ooh, fucking good it's so I, good i want this Thank and you, where can Dave? we find it dave I think you could probably find it on Amazon, would be my guess. Um, I watched it on Netflix when it was on there for a spell, but I think they've since removed it because Netflix does that, right? So, um, yep. um, give me like two seconds, talk amongst yourselves, and I'll find out where we can find it. Well, do you want to make sure great we talking, intro this guys. time? <laughs> yeah, you know, Dave, Dave set the template perfectly. So, on that note, welcome to Nerds on Film, everybody. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Gina Giovanetti. I'm Roxy Noberry. I'm Sean Moriarty, and with us today is Dave McGuire. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Dave McGuire, co-founder. By the way, yeah. we didn't mention that last time. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, guys. Papa for having D's me. It's, in the it's house. It's been. Oh, thank you for saying that, because Sarah never acknowledged the Papa D, and I'm <laughs> glad that somebody finally is. <laughs> I got you, Papa. D. Oh, it's still creepy as fuck, Dave. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Absolutely. Are you Papa D like the the Swedish music star? <laughs> I sure hope so. Uh, he was. And there was a point where it yeah. was Papa D and Daddy Mo, and we were both DJs at eighth grade dances. Sorry. I still feel like Sorry. that should Swedish be. Swedish music star. <laughs> I still feel like Papa the D and Daddy Mo should be like, like web series sketch. We or should something. do. Yeah, and, we, and, and about guys that are wedding slash uh, junior high dance DJs who like give drugs to the kids and fucked up shit like that. Like shameless. But right. about DJs, I, Sean, right? I feel exactly. like I feel like the, there would be an episode where you go and you DJ at a dance, but then Ellie is there and uh, she comes up to you and she's oh just God. like, "Dad, 
<laughs> no, you know, <laughs> you should be. Yeah, she should shows be... up there with like a long katana, like sort of like I knew this day would come. <laughs> and the Kill Bill music starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, okay, so good. good. Okay, so uh, Sean Mo, um, your DJ name should be <laughs> with an umlaut <laughs> over the O. <laughs> oh, oh, so nice. so that would make that would make him uh, Daddy Moo. No, that would make Daddy him, Daddy make him DJ Sean Moo. Yeah, Sean Moo. Sean Moo. DJ Daddy like. But the running gag is like no one says it's Sean Mu. They always like oh Sean Mo, and like he's always having to correct them. He's like, "There's a fucking umlaut, you dumb fucks." Yeah. So I found out every time they say Sean Mo, I go Meh. So and nobody gets it. They don't, <laughs> so like nobody understands it except the people that understand what the umlaut is, and I just keep always go Meh. So Bill Bill Starsgard was on uh, the Nerdist recently within the last month, Star- and Star- he actually talks about how in Swedish what his name actually is pronounced, and apparently it's Starsgud. Ooh, oh my god. Starsgird. Actually, is... Starsgird is what it is. Okay, Swedish. This, yeah. this, is, this is coming off my not being able to pronounce the Welsh at the end of the yeah. last episode. Yeah, we were yeah. really killing but it. But he says most people, he, he actually says he prefers Starsgard because Starsgird sounds. It's just, it's hard to say and it's kind of. It sounds, sounds like Ermagird, Starsgird. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it sounds like a Muppet. Yeah. Exactly. Oh god. I'm sorry to offend all people who talk like that. Yeah, oh, we God. apologize. In my stupid pea brain American brain. Uh-huh. You all sound like a Swedish chef. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so we've been obviously been talking about the Indiana Jones movies. We ended the last episode talking about Temple of Doom. Yep, Let's yep. start off with I think, in my opinion, honestly, is my favorite and arguably the best Indiana Jones movie. Oh yeah, Indiana Agreed. Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. Oh yeah. Like we said. Nazis and Bible shit. That's what you got to stick uh-huh. to. And River Phoenix. Well, and then also, Ooh, yeah. but you're throwing in now and a, Sean father, Connery. a father-son relationship, which mm-hmm. like, yeah. is going to touch you at the emotional core. I mean, let's, yes. I mean, to dive right in, what a great opening. Mm-hmm. To oh, totally. You With got, you got uh, River, River Phoenix, Phoenix playing young Indiana Jones. Oh, not only. Like 1912, 1911. Yeah. He's like in the Boy Scouts or whatever the hell they are. And he's watching it's a guy Scouts. who looks like Indiana Jones, which is a great misdirect because you think that it is him. And then um, I think like he, t- he turns around and it's like, oh, it's not Indiana Jones. But you see, this is why I think I, w- I wanted to sort of fight you, Brian, because uh, <laughs> not fight you, um, fight, fight verbally me. spar you. So put him up because you mentioned in the last episode that like he's sort of ambiguous. And I think that's true. But like, I think it establishes here that he is all about wanting to preserve artifacts. And like, I think and do the right thing. And do the right thing. Like, and I feel like that's a characteristic and, and a trait that like he carries in, at least in Raiders. I'll give you that uh, Temple of Doom. He's a little bit more on the ambiguity scale, and he's like, I don't but, know. Um, but here, like, we see him like, like really setting the tone of like, I'm, I have this like altruistic view. This needs to go to a museum, so on and so forth, um, and just like. Just a wonderful setup to again to like who the character of Indiana Jones is, and then we get to meet Papa Jones, right? Mm, oh. Papa Jones. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's Papa possible. Jones. It's possible that he had kind of because just for those who maybe didn't know that Temple of Doom is actually set one year before Raiders of the Lost Ark in the chronology maybe the of it. Of Temple of Doom. Yeah, maybe the, the events of maybe the events I would say of that or of Raiders actually changed him and made him think more about it. and it maybe reignited his boyhood mm-hmm. ideals of preserving right. things that belong in museums. So that is a fair argument to make. Uh, uh, also, I, can we... Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
I just I wanted to say that you know obviously all of that beginning sequence is sort of speaking to this long-standing theme in the end of this you know trilogy of preserving a legacy and how you see that time yeah. and time again throughout the film obviously yeah. with the father son obviously with the preservation of priceless artifacts and mm-hmm. you know the big artifact in this movie being the goblet right? the, the holy grail, grail. Yeah, the holy yeah. grail and and how spoilers pre- guys Jeez. whatever Dave you're on the episode you are in here okay. I just, I, for me, it is so great because this, that one five minute sequence establishes so much. It establishes where he got the hat. It establishes his yep. love for the whip. It establishes his fear of snakes. Mm-hmm. Like this one moment was clearly the make or break uh, moment in his life. In his life that made him realize. And I mean, yes, it does parallel that his father was also an archaeologist, but you know. And introduces the whip. Did you mention the whip? Yeah, yeah I mentioned the whip, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he said it, the whip twice, Rocky. It's like, Jesus uh, Christ. But it's like that Patton Oswalt joke where it's like there's like these defining moments in their lives. Like when John Lennon like walked by you know, like a guitar shop and he sees the guitar. It's like, oh yeah, like if you're watching that movie, you're like, yeah, the motherfucker's going to become, a, like, he's going to become one of the Beatles. It's great. Like for, <laughs> for Indiana Jones, this one moment completely changes him um, and you notice like how terrible he is with the whip too, that it like comes back and like slashes his chin open mm-hmm. and you're like, you dummy, you don't know how to use that. He will later. <laughs> well, He'll, that's train. All, they... He'll learn. Where's that movie? Sorry. <laughs> tangent. Where's the movie where he learns how to use a whip? Does he use it on people? Like, is he like a secret, like BDSM kind of guy? I'm or sure is there's like, a porno version Is there like a, like a Kill Bill type Fu Man sort of person that he has to like carry water up a hill and <laughs> then he learns how to use the secrets of the whip and like that would be amazing I think he joined a European well, they... circus and he, and that's how he picked up learning about archaeology he, he, he just jumped he on that train to wherever he was went. working on his dissertation guys... while he was well, but when he was in the circus guys want to follow there was up... an umlaut on the, on the O so it's Indian it's, it's uh, Henry Junes not Henry Jones <laughs> well, yeah. but if you want to see the secret origin you want to see all the stuff from uh, you know when Indiana Jones was young, you could watch Young Fucking Indiana Jones with, with Sean Phoenix. Patrick Flannery, which was actually a pretty cool show. Oh yeah, in the nineties. Well, no, oh, I actually nice did. You guys job. know it, it was ninety two to ninety six, and I actually didn't realize this until I was reading up on it. There's one episode where Harrison Ford is in. Oh yeah, it, he, yes. bookend, he, he books does... he bookends one episode as Indiana Jones. Oh wow, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they also used his narration. In fact, um, uh, I hmm. read that that was where <laughs> sort of the inception of. Indy 4 kind of came into Lucas's brain because I think he not only did he book him, but he also narrated, I think, one of them. And that sort of got him thinking like, oh, what if we had like an older Indiana Jones doing an adventure? So that sort of like was the seedling that sort of laid new ground to what we would get, um, which was Dave. Dave, would Terrible. you like to submit that to the Indiana Jones Society? I understand. Yeah, I would like to submit that to the, the Society, Society of the Fedora and Whip. Oh, <laughs> I present to you the tale of the whip and hat. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I like about that yes. scene with the and- whip, too, is that the reason that they, one of the reasons they had that in was, I didn't know this until my mom pointed this out to very young Gina, who then was got super into trivia and stuff, is that Harrison Ford has a scar on his chin that's yeah. just there. And so they, they, like, gratuitously put in, you know, the injury that he gets from not knowing how to oh, use the whip as it's slashing him in the chin to if you somehow notice the scar on Harrison and Ford's face in the other movies. It's just like, oh, oh, hey, oh, yeah. there it is. Oh, it's, like how, it's, it's like how yeah. they justified Mark Hamill's horrible car accident with, with his scarring by the wampum in the, in the, in the, the wampa. Yeah, yeah, wampa, yeah, in the. 
Right. So, so you're saying Empire in like Strikes Back. the uh, the newly did digitally remastered version, there's gonna be like a giant snowman lion thing that like <laughs> probably cuts his face probably him, that scar and like they digitally replaced the whip with like a walkie-talkie and yeah. well, yeah. actually, <laughs> originally in the um, storyboarding process, when he's on the train. We actually had him a scene where he fought the lion that was in there, and the lion actually scratched him on the face. But in process, we realized that was too problematic. With and you know, that's stunting. that's exactly how River Phoenix died, was we had him fighting the lion, and then we just dumped his body in front of the viper room oh, full of heroin, yeah. and then nobody oh. was the wiser. Rest in peace, River Akbar. Phoenix. We miss you. So we're going to spend $60 million and do a special edition of Last Crusade, where we, where where you get we, to we, see we digitally River recreate Guy. River Phoenix and have him fight the lion. You know what I just learned right now, Brian? I just learned that uh, George Lucas was the voice of Buffalo Bill in the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So I made Star Wars, so would you fuck me? God. <laughs> hey, Harrison, Back. are you about a size 14? Uh, what? Oh, Could God. you help me move some furniture? Oh, God, no. Into the Millennium Falcon? No, no, no. Oh, God. Um, as, a, as a plus size woman, I'm over here just like, no! Um, but one of the other things I was reading about that, that opening sequence was they initially weren't going to have it be young Indiana Jones either. And they ultimately, oh, really? it was supposed to be some other like jungle thing or they kept trying to kind of get back on that either haunted castle or monkey king thing that they what could the never fuck, that they could never quite make work Can and you imagine, so like the, that meeting was like okay so let's move on to the next story and he's like guys i just i just want to come back to the haunted castle i feel like that would be a great story it's like george well george you need to learn to let things go bro the, right. the the way that they were able to kind of do the the Scottish castle thing was that when they they have oh, that God, scene where so you know though. we we want to view the the tapestries and you know when when Henry Jones Senior go, gets Mouse. gets captured yeah if you are Scottish law I am Mickey Mouse um, how dare he <laughs> yeah, how dare um, he yeah but the the initial thing <laughs> God damn how dare he the The initial way that that scene was going to go was that when young Indy came home, they didn't ultimately set up that father-son relationship. And, you know, they wanted Henry Jones to almost come across as a slightly more absent parent in that when he came home, you would instead hear the voice of Indiana's mother, Margaret. And then you would hear henry jones off in the distance on like a long distance like academic call so you would still get that establishment of you know that kind of history buff runs in the family thing but instead we what we get instead is that wonderful shot of sean connery with the grail journal that we see that is kind of our our lifeline throughout the whole of the last crusade and you like you were saying earlier indy has that kind of altruistic view of you know oh it belongs in the museum and you know he's a little bit morally ambiguous you and in we we kind of see that that moral ambiguity <laughs> comes from he sees his dad as being like the most like okay well you you took it from these guys you have to give it back kind of thing and being like the yeah. most adhering to the rules as you would think a parent would be but then you kind of see that he, he kind of feels like he can question his morals in what he does because he saw his dad being so moralistic and then, you know, 
seeing these priceless artifacts in the hands of someone who should not have them. And then you have that beautiful transition of the guy in the Panama hat and that um, transition between young Indiana Jones and then Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, where he gets the hat and then he looks up and he's older and he's on the sinking Coronado ship. And it's it's a great transition where we see what kind of was that formative moment for young Indy in every aspect in with the whip with the fear of the snakes with that you know it belongs in a museum it belongs to coronado carrying through into his adult life and yeah what's interesting too is like he dons the same uniform as the person who i wouldn't say he hates but like yeah that he's running from the beginning i I don't have an answer for it but i I don't know what you guys thought i about i do i think it's because they both throughout that whole beginning thing with when he first gets the cross from the guys and then the guys simply just, you know, go to the town sheriff and have him hand it back to him. Fast forwarding to in the future where he, you know, this shows Indy's resolve that he hasn't given up on this and this is one of the first things that he ever went after as a child that they both respect each other. Mm -hmm. They both have those like smiles with each other and and respect each other up until the end when he has to like put his foot down and take yeah. it. Because that's the guy who gives him the hat too. Oh yeah, right. yeah, you're right. You're so right. you know he, he kind hat. of emulated that person and you know he kind of looked at that person of I'm still going to go for that treasure hunter aspect, but I want to be a hero about it instead of a villain, yeah. which I think is an interesting formative thing that that we see. And then what we get more in this one too is we see a little bit more of Indiana Jones as a professor. Um, we saw a little bit mm-hmm. of that in Raiders. I think in, in Raiders is you get the the girl with the with Love You oh, written, on written on the eyelids. <laughs> so you see a little bit more of his being a very popular professor in... Popular! He's a fucking rock star. He has like people smashed up against yeah. the windows of his office like trying to get autographs. Well, that's that too. Like Elvis but Presley. So one, of, one of the characters I noticed we hadn't touched on before was um, Marcus, Marcus Brody as well. Oh. And Mar- Marcus yeah. Brody, I believe, was in Raiders. Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah, and that he he plays a little bit more of a role in Last Crusade, but I think he's he at least the, mentioned. He plays the damsel in distress. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Desmond, yeah. Llewellyn, oh, not Desmond Llewellyn. Um, that was a misspeaking. Uh, yeah. No, Marcus Brody is in like five minutes of the first movie. Yeah. And he, I love that actually how they're able to. Pl- play him into this plot yeah. much more. In the- yeah, because the first one... And he's also... He's close with his father. That's yeah. why it helps in this story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Marcus only... Like, he's just there to introduce the government guys to Indy in the first one. This one... Yeah, Sean, he's got a nice, rich history with, with uh, Henry Jones Sr. Yeah. And I think it was also because... Junior! Because we Junior. see... We see... Indy and his dad having kind of a strained relationship. You Which also is great. see, yeah, yeah, you also see him have a little bit more of respect for Marcus as that father figure too. Because the way he talks about Marcus is just like, oh, like Marcus can speak all these languages and he's so smart and blah 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 blah. And then you see Marcus as like a damsel in distress. Meanwhile, when <laughs> you know they bring up Grail lore and his dad's connection to Grail lore, he kind of brushes it off as just like that's my dad's pet project. Like his dad was you know fucking tumbling rocks obsessed or something. with it forever yeah yeah and is and how do we get that reintroduced to his father as he finds out his father has essentially been taken captive 
And his father sends him his journal through his whole, like, all of yeah. his exploits hunting for the fucking Holy Grail. And he brings it with him to go meet back up with his dad. And he's you like, it? why the fuck did you bring this back? I was trying to get this away from the Nazis yeah. as much I as mean, possible. That's why I sent it to you, Dingleberry. Remember when he fucking smashes him over the head with that vase? Yeah. And then he finds out yes. the vase is fake. And he's like, oh, good. It's not, it's not, not nothing's lost. And yeah. Harrison Ford's yeah. like, um, you just smashed me over the head yeah. with that thing. I, I, that's a great scene because he keeps calling him Junior. And I love that. I told you not to call me Junior. And then he yeah. pulls out the gun. The Tommy he picks the Tommy gun from the... Uh, whoa, whoa. The... When did Harrison Ford enter the cave? Harry, I have many <laughs> questions. Please. Um, well, I think I think what makes Last Crusade so good is, A, as Sean has so delicately put it in the last episode, is Bible shit Nazis winning combination. Yep. But also the, the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is so good in that they riff off one another so well. And I think we mentioned in the last episode that Sean Connery was not much older than Harrison Ford. They're only like 13 years apart. But yeah. the way that they made up Sean Connery to have that very like old school, like, you know, lived through World War One, is seeing World War Two kind of attitude... You know, it's it's very well done in in his kind of playing that like pompous British man sort of deal or mm -hmm. Scottish, yeah. but you know he's got the very like high British kind yeah. of accent. Yeah, I actually think that Henry Jones is American senior, but he just it's Sean Connery's yeah. inability to do anything. And Henry, oh. yeah, and I mean we know from the very beginning though that Indiana's real name's Henry because it's Doctor Henry Jones, right? Yeah, Henry Jones Jr. But but only in the new one, in this one, in the Last Crusade, do we find out they called the damn dog Indiana. Yeah, yeah. but was it like they got his name from their dog? Because I think Indiana was actually George Lucas's dog's name. That's right. Yeah, That's right. yeah it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. And then actually, the name Willie in the second in Temple of Doom, I believe, was Steven Spielberg's dog. Yes, and yeah. Short Round oh, was, was really? the name of one of the writer's dogs. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, for a totally different reason, <laughs> name the chick that embodies our wives that we hate, the dog. But, um, but no, like, Last Crusade... Can we beat her like we beat initially, the dog? Initially, oh. I guess what I was reading, wow. too, was, what? oh, God, no, that's not good. Um, don't Don't do that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. One of we had less Akbar's last episode. I'm just trying to balance it one out. One of the the things I was, like, yeah, they kept trying to get the Scottish castle and the Monkey King thing to work, but then I think Spielberg was a little Spielberg and or Lucas were hesitant in doing the Holy Grail because they thought it was too esoteric for mm. the rest of for your mainstream audience. They thought it was the the idea of the Holy Grail and looking for the Holy Grail was going to be a little bit too niche for people to understand and they didn't want to spend half the movie explaining why the Grail was important and you know and and that sort of thing. But I think they do a pretty fair job of it. And mm -hmm. then you know they they change some things where you know they they meet the guy that's basically the film version of like a not the Knights Templar but the, the guy with the tattoo that's looking for the grail. Um, the guys with the fezes. Yeah. yeah, where like initially he was supposed to be against them, but then they were like, no, well, we've already got the Nazi thing, the Nazi thing. So this dude's going to, you know, try to help us kind of deal. And, you know, they it eventually came together into my favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. No, totally. Uh, and I mean, it's not just because of the Catholic thing. I think it just it's a <laughs> it's a better composed movie. And. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, whether or not that, like, if 
Nowadays, I can see there being a little bit more, and maybe that's why they didn't do that with uh, the fourth movie, but making it have to do so much with a certain religion's history might turn people off these days. But I mean, when you talk about the quest for the Holy Grail and shit like that, that also helped shape history. Yeah, it's, true. it's also yeah, a very like Arthurian idea too. And so like, there's a lot of uh, Arthurian legend stuff that focuses on the quest yeah. for the Holy Grail. So right. really, really yep. quick Spiel- Spielberg Lights plug is uh, in, in Ready Player One, the main character's screen name is Parzival, and Percival was actually the knight who went yeah. on the quest, or and I think ultimately found the Holy Grail. So, right. you know, that's a that's a fun thing. Also, go see Ready Player One. Right. Um, <laughs> so the thing I was nice going to say is that the Holy Grail actually is, I mean, I wish Sarah was here because she would be able to jump in on this because she was the lit major, but um, I don't believe we saw Holy the Holy Grail come up in, like, Christology in general until about the time of the Arthurian legends. Because, I mean, there was mention that he took the chalice at the Last Supper and everything, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much all it's ever referenced in the Bible. And so the idea that there's this cup that still exists that has supernatural powers to it um, really does come from that King Arthur's story. There's there's also two different grail mythos. I'm going to, you know, I'll bring this back, but there's actually two different grail myths. One of them is the cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper that held, you know, the metaphorical blood of Christ. And then, of but course, then there's also in in Christianity and Catholicism, the, it, during the crucifixion, there was a guard that pierced Jesus's side and blood and water poured out. And so right. supposedly there was another cup that caught that blood of Jesus as well. Yeah. Um, and like Joseph of Arimathea took it and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, and supposedly when you see, you see a lot of it in Arthurian legend, because Arthurian legend, a lot of the, lit, the sorry, I was a lit major too. So a lot of the the literature that comes out of that time is very much um, where you see the conversion of Christianity happening. So it's a lot of trying to quash out the pagan ideal in lieu of Christianity, which is why you see like King Arthur being this like great Christian king. And then his sister, Morgan Le Fay, is, you know, a witch and kind of representative of all of the pagan matrilineal ideals that are bad to this new world. And so mm. That's why you see a lot of grail mythology come out at that time, because it's just like, look, we have this Jesus item that's super powerful. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, <laughs> oh, first off, I apologize. I had no idea that you studied literature. Yeah. Um, forgive me. But um, that's cool. I, I go, uh, Dick. God, uh, so insensitive. <laughs> No, it's cool, Brian. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Just feel no, the just, hate flowing through you. I'm just Welcome trying back, to, Dave. you know, I'm just trying to like counteract centuries of toxic masculinity, and you guys are proving my. I said point. it's okay. So, no, 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 no. That's just, this is me admonishing Dave and Sean. Nothing to do with you. You're awesome. Um, ah, th- so there's you're just there's also yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> continue Brian go uh, ahead but there's also the historical aspect that Hitler was obsessed with the occult too and it yeah. does plan pretty well I mean you could have easily if they wanted to I mean honestly it's kind of hard to top the Holy Grail but yeah. if they wanted to do this and stick to the Bible and Nazis like lore you could have had them looking for the Spear of Destiny yeah uh, you could have had them looking for the Holy Cross you could have had them looking for any number of relics that had supernatural oh, yeah power yeah crown of thorns the the, the shot of Turin, <laughs> yeah. right yeah. all that stuff well and see here, here's the jesus's actual dick <laughs> do you know what you could do with that dick 
Here's a mummified Christ dick. That is the. That's like the magic wand and bright. Everybody's scared of it. It can grant wishes. Like no. Here's a question I have for you though. No, I'm going this to hell. Is, this movie deals with. I'll see you there. Like, like the uh, Raiders deals with a lot of mystical elements, but I feel like they do a very good job of grounding those mystical elements within history. Like they don't really lean a whole lot of into it until the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Um, right. With like all the spirits being released from the Ark of the Covenant and like melting people's faces. And even within um, Temple of Doom, again, it's all grounded within the story of like reality. And there's some sort of like mystical element, but it's like it's not very heavy with it. And where I'm going with this is that you're dealing with a cup that can grant eternal life, supposedly, mm-hmm. based off yep. of the lore. And again, they do a very fine balance of balancing this. Uh, that was a terrible sentence structure. It's they okay. do this great balance between <laughs> okay, here's reality, and it's within this sort of like mystical element confine. But like we're able to, you accept it because it is on the more realistic scale. So juxtaposed to like indie four, and I'm not trying to go into indie four, but I'm just saying like I, I feel uh, like we'll indie eventually. four doesn't do that very well like they lose that balance but, in indie 4 because they are taking a lot of like more fantastical elements both within story and within character movements mm-hmm. like actual action that they're going through and they're kind of adding sort of like farcical and fan- fantasy elements and i'm just kind of thinking like retroactively is that do we see that in indie 3 with last crusade like or do we still think that like it's all plausible despite the fact that there's a cup that can grant eternal life? Well, I yeah, I was going to say the cup actually does give you eternal life. I mean, you and not only is it like if you drink it you live forever, they pour it on fucking Sean Connery's like bullet wound and the shit just washes away. Oh, well, and, right. And- that's pretty fantastical. And also, do we not talk about the fact fucking Indiana Jones drinks from that fucking cup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So like he's going to live forever. Have they well, not like that that and that explains why he could survive in a lead refrigerator. <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> Good point. Actually, fair point. Um, actually, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually a pretty that's good, actually really good logic, Sean. Um, Way to yeah, go. That's actually really like, okay, you've just made Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull like – Work. Way more interesting, but, but <laughs> I just made it the, the one thing. Beginning of the movie, the one thing sucked. I think that you have to. I think I could be wrong, but the night that they meet in the temple mm-hmm. or in the church, which by the way is the the exterior is the church of Saint Monastery of Saint Catherine's. Uh, that's the, in the, Egypt, the, I think. The ex that's that's Petra. That's, is that Petra? That's okay. Petra. That's not a church. Oh, I thought it was like an old Coptic. Um, it it I think it's something that like may have been slightly like. Coptic, but I, it's more just you know it was it was built there. I don't think it was initially built for a religious reason. Wait, are we talking about where like the library? No, is not, the, not the not the, the library where they actually the actual, like go like, through where go the third through, act takes place. Where yeah. they actually go through oh, the desert, where, where they have to. I thought it's somewhere super remote. They have to like walk, take the leap of faith. But you also no, 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 see no, no, Petra in the Transformers movie, so it's yeah. like, it's a location that they've used numerous times. Appar- apparently, oh, okay. like the Petra like didn't have a ton of tourists until. Last well, Shia came out. is in both. I, wait, wait, Gina. Sorry. They talked over you totally. No. Okay, hold on. Let sorry, Gina talk, please. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, apparently Petra had, like, their tourism went way up after Last Crusade came out because everybody wanted to, like, see where Indiana Jones p- took place. Actually, a friend of mine, um, really good friend of mine, she went to, she took a big, like, tour of that area and went to like Egypt and a bunch of different places and she went to Petra and before she left she joked and she was just like hey 
I'm going to come back with the Holy Grail for you. And like as a joke, she came back and she legit brought me like a stone cup that had been like hewn out. And I'm just like, you, you fucking did it, you bitch. Like you got this Whoa. past the seal somehow. Like what the hell? So no, I yeah. have a thing on my dresser that looks like the Holy Grail. But um, yeah, but like yeah. inside. So the exterior is Petra. Inside is something else. Is, is a set that they, set. they they probably yeah. just built. No, yeah. but what I was going to say was when they get to the night the night i think explains that you you can't just drink from the cup once and you're good you have to keep drinking from it to sustain you yeah which is what he which is like why he continued like the night continued to age right like he was he, yeah because he's like 500 yeah he was years old he was drinking shit, right? from it but like he was continuing to age but very slowly because he was constantly drinking from the cup but like his drinking prolongs the life but it doesn't necessarily mean it, it gives you eternal life but it doesn't give you eternal youth mm. it's not that doesn't necessarily make you immortal yeah right so there is so, that okay this is a question i have then is he a He's a real person, the knight, or is he a ghost? No, he's a real no, person. No, he's a real person because oh, it's all—it's one I never of those. Got that? I always thought he was like a no. ghostly figure there to like yeah. you know. No, spook he him out of just... side note. No, he. Sorry, Side note, do you think it was a little bit blasphemous to use that scene, the choose choose wisely? If anybody remembers the days of VHS. When that fucking movie, when they used to put commercials before movies that were themed like the movies, the VHS of this had like a Diet right. Coke commercial <laughs> where he goes, choose which one. And it's like a Diet Pepsi and like some Grails and a Diet Coke. And they choose the Diet Coke. And they're like, you have chosen wisely. And I'm like, are you comparing this fucking poison drink to the goddamn cup yeah, ex- of Christ? Yeah, it really is. Yes, they hilarious, are. Yeah. It made a ton of money. Oh so my shut God. your pie hole. I also remember the Diet Coke commercial. Just to make a parallel here, there's a... Same year, because mind you, this Coke is 89, yeah. when Batman came out, on there was the a Batman bit with one. Alfred drinking a Diet Coke while oh. talking to Bruce Wayne on the phone. <laughs> uh, for the And they put that right on the front end of the Batman VHS release, so <laughs> it, it was a thing. Diet Coke made a... Yeah, so every time I hear choose, choose wisely, in my head, I'm not thinking about the goddamn cup. I'm thinking about Diet Coke, and it's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. You know God. what? That's well, called good marketing. Now, where's your Diet Coke? Start yeah, and, drinking. And the, nobody remember. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know about that commercial anymore because I'll make that joke when people are like choosing Diet Coke somewhere. I, and I'm like, oh, you chose I'm, wisely. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I appreciate no. you mentioning it because that commercial came out before I was born. So I appreciate that. No, I was just about to say, no wonder I came out the way that I did because my parents probably drank a bunch of Diet Coke. All that aspartame <laughs> really poisoned oh my God, They're like, so Roger, you need sense. to drink this because it's choosing wisely. So choose wisely. <laughs> Our well, father lived solely on Diet Coke for years. I don't think ooh. I ever saw, I saw him put anything else in his body. We used to joke around and call him the 10 can two liter man because that's how much Diet Coke oh my God. Wow. Um, well, it was something like cousin Ryan and I made up to make fun of him because we just saw him wrecking Diet Cokes one day and we're like it's the 10 can 2 liter man it's true I remember one night I would watch him literally when we were younger he would watch Monday Night Football and I'd just be sitting next to him bored out of my mind um, Surprise. But he would, he, exactly right. Nerdy, nerdy theater kid. Surprise. Football is not my thing. No offense, Dave. Um, so, he, but I, I, I remember, I remember Sorry, him. Sorry, Dave. I, I remember him wrecking a bottle, an entire two-liter bottle of Diet Coke and a whole bag of Fritos. Wow! In one America. dinner of champions. For the, for the yeah. listeners who are new, I am in no way the embodiment of like a meathead football person. I am like a tall. Pudgy. You kind of are, Dave. Tall, you kind of are. Compared to the rest of us, I am a tall, pudgy teddy bear. 
I played football one year and I was terrible at it. Dave, okay, I so I, I am gonna say, Dave, I don't think anybody. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been made clear. I'm the jock douchebag. Remember, I was the hockey player slash I'm an asshole. Yeah, this is the same guy like who on episodes like go back in the catalog. There's an episode that starts off with, like dissing the Broncos and Sean's like about ready to put a gun in his mouth because they lost a game. <laughs> like, I, and, compared to me, where it's just sort of like I will watch, but I'm not. They a, lost the fucking Super Bowl, Dave, and they got the shit kicked out of them by the goddamn. Brian Seahawks. wants to talk. And- Stop talking about horrible. sports. Okay, sorry, because um, <laughs> Roxy's actually going to have to take off in a minute or two. Let's yeah. transition quickly yeah, to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And Roxy, uh-huh. please uh. share your thoughts on the film. And his... and then you can yeah. you can leave with your son. Yeah. I don't want to. You don't want to? <laughs> I don't want to. All okay. I want to say about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is that I blacked out during the whole sequence of, of like, the aliens, the school aliens coming out into their spaceship, and I came to when Kate Blanchett's wig, (laughs) like, just, like, came in the screen. Kate Blanchett. You know, Steven, you know what we haven't done yet is is fucking aliens and shit. (laughs) Neither of us have touched uh, on that at all. Yeah, no, I. That's all I. Spielberg remember. did in Close Encounters. Yeah, so here's the thing. No, no that's yeah. what I'm saying. They both did a shitload. Why go back to aliens instead of Nazis and Bible? Yeah. Yeah. So they they could have gone. So first off, it, with the biblical stuff, I understand them veering away from it because again, it's very hard to top mm-hmm. the Holy Grail. I mean, that's why they call things the Holy Grail of yeah. something. So right. I I believe I spoke about what would top it earlier, and to not offend the two of you, I won't mention it again, but it was like a magic wand. Okay, so... (laughs) No. (laughs) They could have done... So there was a CD-ROM game that came out mid-90s called Indiana Jones, and it had something to do with Atlantis. I'm like... That would have been fucking amazing oh, fuck, to do Atl- yes. Atlantis. You know, my personal somewhere, opinion. But wherever they, Eric they made is, that. It's called Disney's Atlantis. <laughs> for even mentioning or uttering the word Atlantis in the Nerd Cave. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I, I, I will say, I just watched Indiana Jones 4 right before we started recording because it, of the three or of the four, those that's the one I haven't seen as many times. In fact, I've only seen it once really all the way through and that was when I saw it in theaters back when it first came out. And I've told this story many times on the podcast where it was like I was not having it and I, yep. I looked at Sarah because we were dating at the time and when the saucer came out, I looked over at her and I said, look, if the flying saucer comes out of that ground, I'm going to lose my shit. And the flying saucer came out and I was very upset. And so I thought, okay, I'm much older. Let's give this movie a, a, a second pass. And it's like there are good, there are good nuggets in this like i like the idea maybe not the actor but i like the idea that indy is feeling irrelevant in this world and that he is about ready to just kind of like go off and almost like seclude himself i like the idea that he's got a family that he doesn't know about and that sort of like reinvigorates him in a little way i feel like the execution of that is just so so messy and Mm -hmm. While they aren't technically, they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings, according to, yeah. to, to what I've read. But it's just like I don't like I get what they were going for. But this is this is the problem I have is like even when we're dealing with fantastical elements like removing a bullet wound or drinking a cup, drinking from a cup that's going to provide you eternal life, there was still something that was rooting rooted in reality that sort of made it easy to swallow that there was this like fantastical thing going on. Yeah. Here we're talking about men from like beings from another dimension or space or whatever you want to call them and it's like you get it from the very start and it's like I don't I I can't quite swallow this pill because it just doesn't feel like 
it's an Indiana Jones movie. And like as right. I'm watching it, I'm like trying to understand like, okay, you're going for the B movie. You're trying to be B 50 sci-fi. You want to involve like put it in the fifties. That's fine. But you, you, you open the movie like Raiders of the Lost Ark has the Paramount logo and then it dissolves and it's like this beautiful mountain and we see the silhouette. We have the Paramount logo and then it dissolves into a molehill to yeah. a mole and then a mole sticks his head out. Why? Yeah, so why? And then the moles make two more appearances. I feel like ultimately Actually, Dave, moles are my spirit animal, <laughs> so I thought I feel like ultimately what sums up Crystal Skull is interesting concept, sloppy yeah. execution. That's Terrible. my point of it too. Mm. I actually thought the whole designing principle of the movie being that it's a commentary on 50s paranoia and 50s uh like the paranoia of communism the paranoia behind aliens the paranoia behind what happened in roswell all that stuff and i agree it just i think that it was a shitty script and yeah. you no know, i wish they had gotten lawrence kazdan to yeah. do it because well, he did it earlier he didn't did he end, i think he did end up writing the script he did he a didn't... version of it and then um they passed on that for i forget what reasons and then um, uh, Frank Darabont did a version of the script too, mm-hmm. called Ki- Indiana Jones and the King, uh, Kingdom of the Gods, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Go watch it, like, because the opening of that movie is a direct callback to the first one, but it's like he's a much more downer Indiana Jones than than we've seen before. So, like, right. this this had like five different versions before they had David Cop Cop come in, Cop yeah. come in and and basically write the final draft. What, it's, um, I mean, which it's, like takes an amalgamation of everything. So like David sort of like took a lot of different pieces and sort of finagled it together to create what we have now. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and let's also not forget too that Chris Columbus did an early draft. Oh wow! Of the fourth movie too. Um, it was yeah. about a kid who gets lost in a big city, and India has to go find him. <laughs> somewhere in the Middle East, and then somewhere in the Middle East. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones versus the Sticky Bandits. <laughs> that is amazing. And then you see, you see Indiana Jones make a Rube Goldberg level of like traps to stop. I, I think that's the, the episode title. I feel like that would have had Indiana Jones versus the Sticky Bandits. That's I feel like that would have had better reception than Crystal Skull. <laughs> Probably well, would And I, I think it was interesting too because at the time, I think pop culture wise, people were getting into like ancient aliens and shit on the history channel history channel um and so you know it's it's something that would have been interesting to have seen done successfully uh but the fact i think is they they tried to put like too much in there and then it's it's these things like i think putting in that that anthropological anthropological aspect of things like the nazca lines of the the skull binding you know of the south american stuff i think that's really cool but it's like you could have done something really cool with like the inca or the aztec or the maya without or the egyptians yeah there was a lot of egyptian too without pulling in the alien thing and like brian said like i understand i i appreciate it trying to move forward of look we did the Nazi thing. Time has moved forward. And so I get wanting to play into the whole like Red Scare communism kind of deal. Right. But, oh, 
I love Kate Blanchett as an actress, but my God, her accent in this is, is deplorable. Atrocious. Yeah. Like, I, well, I mentioned this before. I coach speech and debate. I do accent work with kids because sometimes we get kids who, like, want to play, like, a Russian or, uh, like, a, a British woman or something like that. And, you know, they listen to accent tapes and they learn how to replicate it. And let me, oh, God. Kate Blanchett just rolling those. She sounded oh. like she just was moose and squirrel. Yeah. Moose and it was. Squirrel. It wasn't like it wasn't even like moose. <laughs> like moose and squirrel was better than what Kate Blanchett yeah. did. She's a great, wonderful actress. I love her, but that accent was horrific especially because especially when she said it faded in and out and especially when she said things like dr jones the o got very pulled out in that like jones that very like british way and i'm just like oh oh like that that's almost what made it unwatchable for me because i'm just like i can hear how bad this accent is well Well, i I think go uh, ahead brian you could make the argument that just how like a German person who learned English in Europe has a slight British affectation to their voice. Um, it could be the same thing with her that she learned to speak English in Britain and therefore she has a British affectation to her English. I yeah. I get so. I get that, well, I but think... it's also like she's supposed to be like straight Soviet though. Yeah. True. Well, Fair point. Like, she's actually Fair point. Slo- Slavic, I think is what uh, they say she is. Yeah. But what's what's interesting is like I feel like this movie more so than the other three were built around set pieces in that like they had images in their brains of like what they wanted to see on film and then tried to make the movie make sense around those images case in point like the stark image of seeing like a mushroom cloud and then like the silhouette of indiana jones in the foreground of that like is a really interesting image but it's like how do we get to that point that makes it make sense within the story. Um, you know, it's just sort of like, I think you went for su- style over substance. And, you know, for me, I think my favorite part of this entire movie is how they introduce Indiana Jones because you don't see him at first. Like, you see the hat fall on the ground, and then, like, you see the silhouette of him putting the hat on, which I thought was a great touch. And then it just, like, I remember being in the theater going, like, that. oh, that's exciting. Like, I'm uh, let's do it. Like, I'm ready for it. And then it just, like, kept going. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Why? That's, yeah. I mean, why, that God, was my why? point, is the opening of this movie is actually a better opening than I think Temple of Doom. Like, it's, I mean, aside from the molehill um, shot, like, it is a... And the whole nuclear blast and the But like you just said, he had, he had grail water in him. So he was, yeah. so right. he's probably good. I think the, I actually thought the nuclear blast thing was not the worst. I thought it was interesting because like, that's what was going on at that time historically. Yeah. And I think I may be wrong. I think there's an episode of the Twilight Zone where somebody like stumbles into a, a fake city like that. That's supposed to be a nuclear testing site. And they get, I could be amalgamating multiple yeah, things and also, right now but i i kind of liked that in that it's that you know that that sense of isolation creeps me out and so that was not the worst of the film for well, me plus <laughs> that and also i think there's just a lack of understanding about how nuclear technology works too because yeah. he was far enough away from that blast that he wouldn't have been incinerated um he would have been dosed with radiation but he would have been dosed in a way where he actually may have like notice how like there's the awkward scene where they're scrubbing him off in yeah. the uh, yeah, in the government office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're scrubbing him off because that's actually one of the things they tell you to do. If you are yeah. around a nuclear blast, you can't sense radiation, so you need to wash off anything that any radiation <laughs> right. pr- 
uh, particles that might be on you as soon as possible. So the lead lining, yeah, everyone thinks it's a Deus Ex Machina or whatever, but it's or a cheap Deus Ex Machina to be for that. But it is kind of plausible, especially when you throw in the Holy Grail element. To and also, like, to be fair, when I go and I get x-rays taken at the dentist office, they put that, like, lead apron on you to prevent, like, my reproductive organs from getting exposed to radiation. So, like, I feel like it's... I, I did not have to suspend my disbelief with the lead-lined fridge as much as I had to later with the fucking aliens and Kate Blanchett's accent. Yeah, yeah and, like, what was I going to say? Like, and the fucking monkey chase. Oh, God. Yeah. So, two things. So, like, first of all, I was that. re-watching it this morning, and, like, they sort of allude, because, like, she's dealing, and she's, her character is researching telekinetic kind of abilities or... Psychic abilities. Th- psychic so, abilities. Basically. But they allude to the fact that perhaps she has psychic abilities because she, like, takes off her glove at the beginning and, like, places it fairly close to Harrison Ford's face and kind of, like, they, like, really hold this moment between him and her where she's like, oh, you're hard to read, Dr. Jones. And it's just sort of, like, I that's, like, where I get so confused. It's, like, how far into this fantastical element are you going to go? Like, is she psychic? Is that something does she possess a paranormal ability? Like, is that, is that what's driving her? Like there's no real for a villain in this movie, with the exception of like the, the, the Kalima guy, the villains in indie movies are generally pretty well fleshed out. You know, Belloc, um, the the German dude, as Gina said in the last episode, with just a Nazi face. Um, you know, the Nazis within the third, within uh, Last Crusade, they all seem to have sort of like a really clear agenda. You sort of understand where they're coming from. With Kate Blanchett, like all we know is that she's looking for this thing, and then she finds it, but then she wants to try to find the the city of gold as well, which I thought was yeah. a weird way to, like, introduce the aliens, is, like, it's in the city of gold and El Dorado. Like, it's just, yeah. it was just, like, so many different ideas that they sort of, like, strung together, and it's just yeah. sort of, like, it makes sense. I, I guess add more glue. Just add more glue to the whole thing before yeah, the hearts, house at, of cards falls down. At least with the Nazi thing, it's, like, okay, you get the idea that, like, well, Hitler wants this. Like, the Third Reich wants this for some reason or another, because, you know, we, we knew what the Third Reich was all about. And, you know, there were people out there who were Nazis or Nazi sympathizers, which I think is like one of the great bait and switches of Last Crusade was Elsa. Like, first, I didn't get to mention this in the last episode, but I'm fairly certain Henry Jones Sr. totally boned Elsa. Oh, he did. There's a, there's a reference to it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, there oh, is. Oh, shit. He which, says that she talks in her sleep. Yeah. Uh, well, no, 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 not not Indy, the no, old guy. No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. Because yeah, no, there, there's a oh, bit okay. when she's kissing Indy, yeah. and she makes reference about sex, and then oh. Henry says something. So, yeah, I watch pretty much. Yeah. Oh, and then he's okay. like, oh, he's talking about his son, and then there's that awkward look on his yeah. face. Oh, like, right. Oh. Okay. Uh, he, and and Senior says, I know she's a Nazi, and he's like, how do you know? And oh, she, says, she talks sleep. in her sleep, and then he looks at her, and Senior like smirks at the camera almost. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay, well. But but that's it. It's but with you're right with Kate Blanchett's character. It's like okay, I guess the Soviets want this for something. I don't. It's it's very unclear as to like why we want 
like why they want that power or like we want to keep them from getting that and i understand like the whole mind reading thing but the whole idea of this alien is going to give you mind reading powers right using the skull as a conduit is to, like weird. amplifier powers is a little yeah weird. like yeah. that's yeah. and that's that's it it's the suspension of disbelief in in kingdom is i think what ultimately broke it i have a question yeah why did Spielberg decide to make this one? Well, so they always said that they always wanted to do another Indiana Jones movie. It just came down to the script. And I don't know if it was Lucas trying to redeem himself after the prequel trilogy from Star Wars or what, but the interest had sort of gotten re-peaked and um, they I finally just got to a point where they were at a script that was ready to go there was a couple of false starts like like david talked about with frank darabont that was like i think uh early 2000s maybe 2004 2005 where the darabont script was circling around hollywood and it also by the way featured um marcus brody and um and and henry senior uh in it uh and they actually had plans to put henry senior in it but sean connery didn't want to come out of retirement he was he was having said that retirement was having was too much fun to um like really, was League of Extra- like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was what it, what you wanted to go out on? Mm-hmm. Okay, Sean Connery. Well, I think I think to correct, not to correct, but I from what I had read, I think Lucas probably was the more driving force because I remember hearing an interview that Spielberg gave in which he was talking about how um, how he ended the trilogy with them riding off into the sunset. He's like, that's why I put that in there was because I wanted it to be like closure this is it this is mm-hmm. the finale this is them heroes riding off into the sunset and there's that great shot um that happens now one thing we haven't talked about in the, these entire two episodes not to just to quickly derail we can kind of have a discussion around is just how wonderfully shot these movies are like if you watch a spielberg movie the dude crams so much into just a to just one single frame yeah like, and just even for all of its faults i was watching it again like He's still got that magic when it comes to, like, making sure that you get as much information as possible in those shots. Um, I mean, And, and that's yeah. sort of like his signature signature move. I mean, Spielberg works yeah. with genius production illustrators, and he works with genius cinematographers. And his n- normal go-to guy passed away, unfortunately, I think right before Crystal Skull. Yeah. Or it might have been that or shortly after. But um, I agree with you. There's a couple of shots that are brilliant in Crystal mm-hmm. Skull that – and it's a very simple just moving – it just – no, it's all – the camera moving on dolly track, but it captures so much information. Um, I also noticed this in Munich. Here's a couple of brilliant shots that like, you realize, oh, that was two or three setups and that's the entire scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, he, oh, Munich. Yeah, he's got, and I think because he was his own cinematographer when he was younger, playing with cameras, it, any filmmaker that does that really gets a strong eye for for how to flesh out a scene mm-hmm. with his, uh, in, as simply as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% that these movies are visually, they're great. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, like, story wise, like we don't need, yeah. like, there's a scene where um, in Indy 4 where he's like talking to Jim Broadbent, who's like the new Marcus for this movie. And he's like, oh, it's been a tough year. Like, this is also like where it fails too, is like the dialogue is so, sometimes it's just too much on the nose. And they mm-hmm. show a photo of like Marcus and Sean Connery and like Henry or you know, Indy's like, oh, well, we lost dad and Marcus in the same year, so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. it's like, I would prefer to have not had that because there's this great moment right before we get to that house scene 
where Jim Broadbent and um, Indiana Jones are in the hallway of the school. And off, just off to the side, inside the frame, again, wonderful framing, there is an oil painting of Marcus. And it's like it looks like what you would see of somebody who has passed but is like a legend within that community or within that that business mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it's like I think had you left it there, like people who are smart enough would be able to kind of put the pieces together like, oh, he's no longer there yeah. um, and he's no longer a character. But it's like th- this is what I'm saying is like where I, where I think the first three – were able to trust the audience because those are the types of movies that were made during a time when audiences were trusted to understand what, you know, simplicities and or not simplicities, but subtleties. This is a movie of its time where it's like, it needed to sort of spell everything out for people. And that's sort of become like the common trend in a lot of movies that are now coming mm-hmm. out where it's like, we have to kind of overstate the obvious, just in case somebody in the back row didn't get the reference or didn't understand yeah. why something didn't happen. Our attention spans are a lot shorter. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think I think what we had talked about that made the uh, the original trilogy of Indiana Jones so great was Brian mentioned that like the action slows, but you know, like like the the actual physical action slows, but the pacing of the film does not. Meanwhile, you know, when you watch things like Raiders of the Lost Ark or uh Last Crusade or even to an extent Temple of Doom, even those moments that are just Harrison Ford sitting there with the people around him explaining Grail lore or figuring out what the Shankara stones are all about, you know, we're still sitting there like Alfred Molina in the in in Raiders with our, our hands outstretched just like yes give us that that historical context give us that information that we can process meanwhile crystal skull kind of gave that up in lieu of using action and physical sequences to explain what was going on and then i think ultimately its downfall was not having a fleshed out mythology and trying to cram too much in because like you said it's it's the the south american mythology it's the aliens it's the city of gold on top of trying to recapture that that hen that you know henry senior and indy father son banter charm by introducing the character uh that you know shia labeouf plays i forget what the running for your life from shia labeouf and like i like i appreciated them bringing back marion ravenswood and bringing back karen allen because i think that's really cool and especially because throughout the series she's also the one that i think was closest to him in like gruffness and attitude and stuff and so she was his equal Mm -hmm. and so bringing her back would have was really fascinating but then having that kind of like oh he's your son kind of reveal it was it was just like i feel like it it didn't give it didn't do marion justice no it it was also predictable too to be honest but they gave her nothing to do like um, yeah being a character that's like so strong and able to hold her own literally uh, in mm-hmm. the first one, like they don't give her at all anything to do, and like not to be like such a snob, but they botch her intro. Like for a movie that's gonna make winks and nods to the previous films, like yeah. the gratuitous shot of showing like the Holy Grail at the beginning. When you introduce oh, Marion yeah. back into the story, and she goes Indiana Jones, and then she doesn't deck him in the face. Like yeah. I feel like you. You've already established that you're willing to sort of like pat yourself on the back and, and like be like, hey, remember when we did that? Like, why don't you take that opportunity? Like, that is an yeah. opportunity that you could have used. And like, we all would have been like, okay, 
that's great. Thank you for making that that callback that you bring to that scene because that was just sort of like her dynamic with him. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love, Gina, you said it right. Like, I love the idea that they brought her back. And I love that they're, because to me, like, she is the one that he's always been in love with. And that yeah. was like the one thing, like, that was the one relationship that I actually believed in this movie was their relationship because I do think that Indy and Marion were always sort of like meant to be together and I love mm-hmm. their dynamic and I think they could have done without the kid. I think it could yeah. have just been about them rekindling their romance in like their elder state. You know, it's like after so many years have passed, you know, you have these two people coming back together for another adventure and then they finally are able to get married. Right. Yeah. Maybe because he's like now able to commit to her because he's missed her for yeah. so long or whatever the case right. may and be. It's... Like that to me would have been a more heartfelt experience than what we got. Like we got half of that and like I would have wanted more of it. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it's like they kind of sacrificed her badassery on the alt on on, on the altar of, well, she's a mom now. Yo, moms are badass. OK, yeah. can we can we not think that like people just roll over and like give up yeah. on everything when uh, they have kids because uh, they don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. thank you for that. Let's uh, let's hold that thought for a second because Roxy actually has to take off. Yeah. So so guys, I love where this conversation has gone. I love how we're starting off the year, and I can't wait to talk more Spielberg. Yep, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be seeing you the next time we record. So, yeah. uh, bye, Roxy. Bye, guys. Bye, Roxy. Good talking to you. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Gina, you were finishing. Yeah, up no, about- I, I'd, I'd finish that statement basically, just like that they they sacrificed kind of the root of Marion's character in lieu of just her personality. Is she's a mom now, right. and they they just kind of completely threw whatever she was before kind of down the pipe in the effort to kind of give the Shia LaBeouf character the spotlight as we all figured it was Indy's son. We didn't necessarily need her to say like, well, he's your son. But of course, it's that dramatic irony of we know it's the son, but, you know, he doesn't. But I think unfortunately, like the they because they tried to cram too much in none of like the audience didn't necessarily care about Shia LaBeouf um no and then you know you you also sacrificed more um story or more exposition or more of that like father-son kind of banter for something like a fucking monkey chase for me just the entire film feels like an epilogue if you really think about it like, like a bad epilogue a bad a bad epilogue at that like when you said that Steven Spielberg did ended the movie he the Last Crusade the way he did with the writing off in the sunset, it makes total sense to me. And even mm-hmm. though those three movies aren't a perfect trilogy at all, no. as far as a character's arc, it it felt really weird to me that they were going to do an indie four anyway. I think it was largely out of fan service. It felt like, uh, and the desire for them to have fun again and to get the gang back together, as it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and. I feel like the fifth one is only going to be there to right the ship and basically say, we're sorry for the fourth one. And we're it, done here now. We're done now. Like, and <laughs> I, I actually hope it, I mean, I don't want to say nothing against Harrison, but I actually hope you're right in that. That, he, that he's that he going does, back just to kill off all his icons. <laughs> yeah. That he goes back to, to give Jones a proper send off. Yeah. Know? If that's true. That means that we're going to at least get an Air Force One Part Two, and I am stoked for that because <laughs> I want to see that president die. Like, because I fucking love that movie. But, but he's also—they're going to have to age him up because. But there's now canon that shows Jones at like 93 years old missing an eye. So there's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. yeah, was that in yeah, the comics or what? 
No, in, in when there's the old Doctor Jones and a couple of um of the young Indiana Jones series, uh, there's like a ninety something Indiana Jones who, who who's bookending the episode, and he's got an eye patch on. I feel like yeah, I feel like in in the canon, less people are looking at young Indiana Jones as be they're they're probably gonna rewrite that canon because I don't I think if we go up to if he does die in whatever this fifth Indiana Jones is. I don't think it's going. It, it we're gonna see him up to ninety three year old eye patch Indiana Jones. I feel like it would have to be some sort of, you know, send off. Somebody else has to now take up this mantle kind of thing. So, right, but it, that's a great question. So it's like, I mean, I feel like we've talked about three and four pretty well. But so the question I have is, what would you want? episode or not episode but indy five to be about like bible what, shit what, and nazis what, what adventure should he go on like what relic? i think it's pretty easy for me to say nazis and bible <laughs> shit i i think you can bring back like neo-nazis some kind no, no, of no. neo-nazi group in the like early no, 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 60s no. like you do with the first order and the no. empire and the new no 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 star wars movie no 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 i think it's the idea that hitler escaped and has been living in south america and he wants to he wants to get hold of a of a biblical artifact to bring back the Third Reich back to power. Yeah, he already has no, he already has the spear of destiny. I you know what? Ooh. I could def I could definitely see it kind of taking that idea. Maybe not so much Hitler, but maybe um because the like I think it was um like Boys from Brazil where they talk about uh Joseph uh, or like the historically Joseph Mengele, who did like horrible, horrible experiments and everything, went and lived out in South America and there's a huge like there's a there's a theory that like one particular city in Brazil has such an abundance of twins because of either something that went on there with his experiments um so like I'd I'd be interested in seeing that kind of a thing where it's like maybe looking at some of the the thoughts of like well what happened to some of this stuff after the Third Reich fell kind of deal. Like, I could go for, like, an Indiana Jones Monuments Men kind of thing. Um, some Something like that. Um, but I, again, like like Sean said, that, that Bible shit and Nazis um, pattern ha- has, has mostly been successful. And I think we we just we definitely have to see like what kind of mythology they're going to focus on because again i don't think the whole idea of the the south american stuff was bad but they tried to cram too much of it in there like yeah. you know if you're going to do aliens and soviets do aliens if you're going to do south america do south america if you're gonna do fucking el dorado don't do it just watch the animated road to el dorado movie because it's amazing yeah. <laughs> don't don't do it please um, it's just like if you're gonna do el dorado don't don't <laughs> because it exists and it's called the road to like, el dorado off to like leave the united states or I mean, he obviously leaves the united states but like go to like you know um like Ireland or London and like try to find like Merlin's staff or like you it's know, the Scottish castle or... y'all they're finally yeah, like, gonna find do also, it. just bring the they Scottish castle touched on any like go ahead John. They haven't touched nobody on cares about poltergeist anymore bringing stuff the from any dynasty castle. in China or Japan or anything they could do stuff no in no, no 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 we saw how that too. worked out for the mummy franchise and it and it tanked it let's not let's not do that to, to, this, to, to be this to be fair I think they would it would help if they kind of played it safe and they're like we're gonna go after relics that are about 
white people because it seems like when we've done it before it's been wildly offensive so unless they can do it with like a particular cultural sensitivity maybe just stick to like white people artifacts. Well, speaking of cultural sensitivity i think what they should do is they should have jones looking for the gold tablets of lehigh and oh my god go <laughs> oh i got it he has to look for the actual plates for mormonism Exactly. Basically, Were they yeah. real or not? <laughs> and if I've offended wait, you as Mormon listeners, late, I'm, I'm sorry, but that was good. He went from the 50s to the early 60s. How about he's like chasing the fucking uh, Scientology boat full of boys? Oh, God. And it's all about trying to find artifacts that Xenu left in volcanoes. Yeah, according to... So Dave and I met up last weekend when we were in Culver City. Apparently, yeah, you can't make Scientology jokes in L.A. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, I, I made one in my office and everyone sort of like had like a hushed tone over them. I oh was like, no. it's really funny because like back home I can make these jokes and everyone's like, <laughs> how ridiculously funny. And then here they're like, you need to keep your mouth shut. You're going to get blacklisted. And it's just like, oh God, I forgot. Like I'm in, I'm behind enemy lines. Like I am Owen Wilson and you guys are Gene Hackman <laughs> and you have to come get me. Oh man. Otherwise I'm going to die. Yeah, they, you know how they had the Iron Curtain in Russia? You're behind the bullshit Ooh. curtain, which is of Scientology. Bringing um, it back, though, maybe so, maybe Indy 5 will guess, be Indiana Jones in Atlantis. <laughs> I mean, Indiana Jones and the search for Social Security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could literally do that. There's actually a novel. There's a, There was a bunch of Indiana Jones novels oh, that yeah. they wrote where he finds tons of shit. The Philosopher's Stone, which they can't do because Harry Potter kind of did it. And more and more popular. Uh, uh, and it's also kind of the same Holy Grail idea. Like, yeah. yeah. Eternal youth uh, or eternal life. But um, That's just more alchemy based than biblically based. Exactly. Uh, there is, you're right, there is tons of ways they could go. Or honestly, maybe they should just let the franchise die. Maybe I they agree. just maybe there they just go. go full Abbott and Costello, and it's just like Indiana Jones <laughs> meets Dracula. Oh, I was like Indiana Jones meets Frankenstein. <laughs> Indiana no, Jones think, meets or fucking no. If you're gonna do world. anything, Indiana Jones, do like a rebooted version of it where it's hour long episodes in an episodic television format, and just do the fucking relic of the week. Well, you know, it's funny because I think for the longest time, I thought that I think there was a talk of them just doing a reboot. With Chris with. Pratt, I, I, right? Chris Pratt was sort of like the front-running name. Man, that dude's and, in again, everything. I don't. There, you can't really say if that's true or not because, like, we don't know if that was just sort of like the internet speaking because he yeah. did uh, Jurassic World and everyone's like, "Look at him, he's great. He's buff and he can wear a vest." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the this so is the only, only this is this is geek logic basically. Geek logic. He's, he's like, look at him. He's wear wearing a vest. a vest and he's like very muscular. That's uh, definitely Indiana Jones. He's got brown pants, just like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Look at him. He can wear corduroy just like except the best instead of, of imagine those raptors are Nazis I mean, I, to, and he's trained them to I kill. I could also see Indiana Jones doing like for the if they do a fifth one, doing like a Freemason kind of thing too. Oh, I could, very, I could buy that. Mason. Very, okay. very yeah. national yeah. treasure. Yeah. Jones it's a mashup meets up with yeah. Nicholas. It's very national treasure, re, uh, but I national treasure in Indiana Jones. I. I was I'm also in. thinking that belongs in a museum. Yes, yes, I'm a treasure protector. I want to put <laughs> to it. To be a fair, I was also thinking of the trajectory of like the like the Da Vinci Code books where they did the like 
Pope stuff and Angels and Demons. They did Holy Grail with the Da Vinci Code, um, where they were like, "Oh, but the Holy Grail is actually a person yeah, because of the Merovingians." Uh, blah blah. With the lost symbol. I I did yeah I I'm I the trajectory I thought of like Dave said yeah was like the law the the lost symbol which I never actually got through it because I read the first chapter and I'm like oh well God. this is ridiculous fuck this oh one. Oh my God! Um, I, again, I audiobooked that one and like I got to the point where like. I remember reading the Da Vinci Code. So quick tangent. I know we're trying to wrap yeah, up, but like, I read the Da Vinci Code and I was like, I'm in it. I love it. Angels and Demons. I was like, meh. It was okay. It was a book. And then this one, it was just sort You're of supposed like, to read Angels what? and Demons first. Why? Why? Why do you have to start every chapter by naming the character's full name? Like every time Robert Lang, like every time the yeah. character was like Robert Langdon did this, and then Robert, it's like I under, I know what his last name is. You've told yeah. me for the last fifteen chapters. Oh, they all, yeah. Langdon or Robert? Robert or Langdon? Like, choose a fucking name and stick with it. I don't need Einhorn. Finkel. Finkel. <laughs> yeah. Einhorn. They they also did the lot the not lost symbol Inferno, which like I read that one and that one was okay too. But again, that's back to like Bible shit, which is cool. Um, or like oh okay, I got it. Bible lit shit. But I got it. Bibles and white people. I got it. We're going to do, we're going to, because everybody loves creating cinematic universes. So we're going to create a Justice League with Robert Langdon, Indiana Jones, Nicholas's Cage, Benjamin. Nicholas's Cage. Cage's character. What is it? Ben. I don't know. Ben Gates. And they're going to recruit two more people and they have to go try to figure out uh, some sort of like deep seated secret within the U.S. Uh, government, like they're <laughs> hiding. It's like a Freemason type thing. Oh, uh, James dude, Bond. Laura Croft. Oh, yes. Laura, Croft, Laura Croft. But she's British, but I guess that works. Laura Croft. So? Right, she's like, she's sort of like the, the foreigner who's like really good and like uh, kind of keeps the boys in line. And then we need a fifth one because it has to be odd numbers. Uh, Ellie Sattler from I don't know, Jurassic make up something Park. for Sam Rockwell to be because he just rounds out yeah. a cast. <laughs> Sure. You can't galaxy quest everything with Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Sure you can. We'll just call him Guy. He'll just replay. He'll just <laughs> reprise his role, Guy from Galaxy, from galaxy quest, quest, who uh, somehow stumbles <laughs> upon it. And, wait, wait, wait. Uh, no, 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 no. We can find this. I think Indiana Jones Five. Indiana Jones goes to the moon. To be, there needs to be another woman in this in this ensemble. Ellie and, Sattler from Jurassic Park. Bingo. Sure. Nailed um, it. You need you need a paleo herbologist to be yeah. able. Uh, yeah. To be part of the team, absolutely. Guys, Nailed I think we just wrote our new it. franchise, and we're about to make millions of dollars. Now, the only problem is... Get us is in, that, Dave. Get us now, in. And I'm sure with the most regent, re- recent merger, I think all of that IP ends up under Disney. <laughs> well, anyway, Paramount, Paramount's true, yeah. got Indy. So, oh, no, sorry. Lucasfilm was owned by Indy. Well, Paramount's, like, getting bought, like, tomorrow. But, no, 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 right? not Paramount. <laughs> You're thinking of Fox. But, um... <laughs> No, I know Fox already got, but bought. like there's also Universal who has the Jurassic Park NBC stuff. Universal. So yeah. it's like this. It would be a, a massive like it wouldn't be a it would just be a crossover partnership yeah. to make that work. So to kind of tie because we've talked a lot about the, the movies of Indiana Jones. So the one thing I wanted to bring up is like what because we talked about like packing things into a frame, which is what in, what Steven can do. But like what makes these like Steven Spielberg movies to you? Uh, the visuals. Um, he has a. The visuals, man. It's like taking mushrooms. Well, not just that, but he has a knack for, for th- he has a very strong knack for three act storytelling, and I mean that in the sense that in most of his films, mm-hmm. he has a really great reincorporation of something from the first act um, that shows a change in the third act mm-hmm. uh, that the characters have changed in some way, um, and you know, 
he's so good at that format that like you you come to expect it and for me I enjoy it when I see it. So um that's what it is yeah. for me. I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say the way he frames the shots and the action sequences are all pretty consistent until you get to the overly CGI to like if I had to almost Star Wars prequel esque amount of CGI in the fourth one. Gina? Yeah. I think for me it's probably pacing. Um, the the way that shots are composed along with the pacing, because we did talk about one of the fantastic things about the original trilogy was the way that it was paced. Like it didn't have to all be physical action, but it was still just as interesting watching Indiana Jones make a rubbing of uh, Grail Keeper's, you know, uh, gravestone as it was watching him like punch a Nazi in the face. Um, yeah, some of that was sacrificed in Kingdom, but there was still a particular level of that Spielberg pacing as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, hey, why don't we get the feedback, huh? Yeah, that sounds great. Listener feedback. Yeah. Listen to feedback. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We have only one to share at this time, but it's from John Cutting again over Twitter. He gave us more horrible movie mashups that we had to share. Um, So first would be uh, Ace Ventura Pet Cemetery. I would watch the shit out of that. Uh, The Iron Lady and the Tramp. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Around the World in 800 Days of Summer. Eh. Eh. Yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, we'll give it to you, judges. Ding. Bear. Uh, bad boys don't cry too. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Try to try to pitch that one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Just see Martin Lawrence the whole time. You mean that dick was fake? Oh my god. <laughs> I thought that was a real dick, oh, Brandon. This, one, this one's a little harder ones because the some of these get. They break the formula so much that you have to just, you know, that they don't really flow. You just have to imagine them. Mm-hmm. So this one would be Serenity Now. So it'd be, it would be uh, oh. Apocalypse Now and. Oh, okay. And you like, said Serenity Now. And I'm like, that's just Seinfeld. Right. Oh, my <laughs> God. Seren- like the characters of Serenity and like this allegory for the Vietnam War would be sort of great. Like, can you imagine? Well, there is, Nathan I mean, there Fillion, is a war, a civil war that I they know, can but reference. It's like, can yeah, you imagine I, Nathan Fillion just like covered in mud and like eating an ox heart <laughs> yeah. and he's just like... Yes, Nathan oh, Fillion God. being so stressed out on the His set of the movie hurts. he has a heart yeah. attack at like age 30. And he put on the weight so that actually would make complete sense oh, to God. do that. Yeah. That's mean. Why is that mean? He's not as svelte as he was in Firefly. And he's like, I'm not Castlefin. No, I mean, he's not as svelte as he was for for Firefly, but he's still I, he can still get it. I'd okay. let him. Well, he can still get <laughs> it. If, I still open it up for him. I'll open up. Well, shop. if Nathan Fillion ever listens to this podcast, let him know Nathan that I meant Fillion, no offense. Nathan Fillion, you can get it. So, um, enemy at the Stargate. <coughs> Ooh, good one. All right. <coughs> alien, two alien snipers trying to take each other out, and then they have dirty sex in the in this weird spot. Oh my god. Uh. Raise the Green Lantern. Raise. The I'm not green sure. Lantern? Wait, what? I, so is there a movie called Raise the Lantern that I'm not familiar with? Maybe. No. I don't know that. I'm not sure. I'm I would have. I. You've I would have. For that one, I would have gone with the Big Green Lantern, oh, where it's nice. just a bunch of Green Lanterns <laughs> playing soccer, like bad kids soccer. The yeah, the redheaded. Or and green the, and the soccer ball is a construct. They're yes, with the power rings. Yes. Green oh Lantern Mile. 
Mm-hmm. Green Lantern Mile. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. 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 That's where we're gonna say. Take the Ooh. ring, boss. You see for yourself. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Hold my hands, boss. I don't like it when it's dark. Oh God. It's I like can't. the instead of the electric chair, the chair they just get like drowned in yellow energy. Basically. Oh God, that's a. Oh, um, that's so awful. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Bojangles is played by Booster Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Booster Gold is a little oh, mouse. Oh, God. Oh, my Sorry. God. Uh, are, there, are there more? Is that it? No, that was it. Oh, okay, good. That was it. And that was the only feedback that we had to share for this time. Um, I do want to say, though, that our friend Haley, uh, who has a, is a friend of a friend, and because of that, she became my friend. Um, she started <laughs> okay she knows Vanessa she's friends with Vanessa and so therefore we became friends um, started listening to our show and she just wanted to share that she loves the podcast Woo. she loves listening to us uh, I asked Thank her to you, write Hayler. some feedback in but she was a little afraid that she wouldn't be as clever enough as Ellie uh, to um, you're not as clever as a fucking 15 year old listen we can't all be as crass or clever as Sean's hypothetical future daughter that doesn't no, mean yeah, you shouldn't write it I'm just really glad in. that the feedback didn't include fucking horrible insults from my time daughter yeah. but that, nevertheless not to, we're not trying to shame her into writing in but we just wanted to give Haley a shout out because well, we're gonna shame you no, I'm, really you may quick. not be but I'm shaming Sean, her to write, write the fuck Sean in. can your autobiography be it's called it's like the feedback version of Pixar it didn't happen <laughs> Sean you don't like the fucking podcast until you send us something clever. <laughs> wow. Sean, can your autobiography be called Insults from My Time Daughter? Be- yes. Insults from because My Time Daughter. Nice. The Sean Moriarty Lament. <laughs> Copyrighted 2018. <laughs> uh, now, Haley, write to us. We'll read it. We love you. I don't know you, but you seem don't cool. Don't listen to Sean. Uh, <laughs> uh, but actually... I'm just imagining this book right now. I'm going to write it like it's Flags of Our Fathers. <laughs> uh, she should write one that's like Iwo letters Jima to Iwo Jima, and I'll do one that's like fathers. Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, and it'll both be our, our fake autobiographies, and we'll see how much of it aligns. Yes. All right, Ellie, the gauntlet's been thrown, so <laughs> you know what to writing. do. You must hear that, time you daughter? Must respond. Yes, indeed. Well, guys, uh, if you do want to become a feedbacker, what you can do is you can go to nerdonomy.com and click on that Talk to Us link. That will send us an email to all of our personal inboxes. Uh, That's what I did. Us. Yep. You can also <laughs> follow us on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just Google us at Nerdonomy. I guarantee you will find us. Um, while you're at our website, by the way, you could give us a little bit of a hand by, you know, buying a T-shirt, handing us a small donation, uh, or, you know, also, if you wanted to give us a little bit of a hand in another way, we now have a group Nerdonomy Tinder account. No. <laughs> that is a joke. Well, while you're at a website, what you can also do is you can give us either a small donation or buy a t-shirt, or you can also send us an actual letter through our P.O. box or send us a voicemail. We do still have that voicemail uh, through Skype, and unfortunately doesn't give us a customized greeting anymore, so it's going to sound very robotic when you get there, but it will get to us, and we will play it on the show. As long as it's respectful. So, um, Indiana please do Jones that. 5, Skype robot. Exactly. Wait a second. As long as it's respectful. So Ellie can write in vitriol. <laughs> we'll read it. But be respectful in you, the audio version. No, you asked for it, though, Sean. You literally put it out there. Yeah, I know. You asked for people to insult So you. then, well, so if you have anything horribly inappropriate to say, we will play it because I okay. want it. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if, like, if it's like you guys are. But attack someone But if else, it's like, if it's like you me. guys are a bunch of clown shoes and then I'm like, well, that's not going to do anything other than just make that person feel better so we're not going to play that okay yeah that, that's all i'm trying to say so i'm not saying it has to be pc humor i'm just saying it has to be you know don't 
fucking trash us for without any good reason for it. So anyway, that being said, the most important thing you can do, though, is tell your friends and family about our podcast. Spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. All right. Uh, Dave, thank you, by the way, for joining these last two episodes. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I know um, I get super excited when I talk about movies. Um, You can, like, literally hear it in my voice, and sometimes I want to just punch myself in the face. So thank you guys for letting me geek out and 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 talk and chat about uh, Indiana Jones. I really want to come back next year now because... There's so many great movies to talk about. Good to have you back, Dave. Catalog. So totally. And so many different themes we can go for. We can go the drama route. We can go the action adventure route. We can go the sci fi route. He's got the time we do it. I can't wait. uh, By this time next year, Ready Player One will be out and we can discuss that too. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait till that 1941 episode. We can can have a year of of the lesser Spielberg films too, where we talk about. Spielberg the lesser, we'll call it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Senor Spielbergo. <laughs> but uh, and it is that time, nerds. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Probably be Oscar themed. We're not sure yet, but we'll talk to you soon. Tune in then. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Later. Goodbye. So long. Avitor saying goodbye. <laughs> you said goodbye twice. It's okay. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Junior? <laughs> So good. <laughs>